0: Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian.
3: This is the Lombardi Live with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VCN.
4: All right, it is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM here on Vsin, the sports betting network. Wildcard Weekend. Michael Lombardi doing his best. Mario Andretti back to his office. But we've got, <laughs> I can't imagine. I hope I'm you didn't here. get pulled over, my friend, from the Borgata back to the office. No, I was but. good.
5: I, I was good. I, I got that. I have that way down pretty cold. If you keep your, if you keep your speed at a certain level, you can make all the lights. And there's a lot of them. Trust me, there's a lot of them. And I made it, so I'm good. I'm ready to go everything's good. Namaste. We're all going to get going here. We're ready to go.
4: (laughs) Namaste. I love that you said that. Okay. Thank you to Will Hill for stepping in. Now here, we don't have a ton of time to waste. We're going to have Brent Musburger in 12 minutes joining us looking forward to that Thomas Gable. So what I want to do right now is I just want to go through these three games with your number, the Lombardi line. Okay. So let's start with Miami and Buffalo. Michael, one shop is showing 14. Everybody else is showing 13 and a half. Let's start with the Lombardi line here on dolphins bills.
5: Well, I mean, so you know, as I said earlier, so it's just some backdrop here on my on my numbers. I've made a point that last week I I didn't put last week's numbers into the numbers, so I didn't want to, because some teams pra, some teams played, some teams didn't, you know, and some teams were were are kind of la, resting their starters, not the sure. Chargers, but some teams were. So my number for this game was twelve point three. And, you know, the line opened up, I think, at 12 and a half. I think it started at 12 and a half. Now it's up to 14. I think it's a little misleading at 12.3 because we've watched Skylar Thompson play against the Jets last week, and they ran the ball for 161 yards, right? And and they didn't throw it as well. He made a couple throws in the game, but there wasn't a great offensive flow. Tyreek Hill had a bad ankle, and I think he kept trying to fight through it play, and play and certainly gave his best effort. but. What, what I think the difference in this game is, Patrick, is the fact that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have an opportunity now to know what Miami's game plan is going to be with Skylar Thompson. They declared it last week in, against the Jets. They're going to try to run the ball more, kind of give them some easy throws. They can't expand the, the playbook. They need to narrow the playbook down, so... Buffalo, which typically likes to be in a nickel front, you know they want to be able to rush the passer. They want to play from in front. Teams have been able to run the football on them. I mean, make no bones about it. I mean, everybody has an ability to run the ball on Buffalo, but that's more because Buffalo wants you to try to run the ball on them. I mean, they do. They, They don't care about that as much. And so when Miami ran for 188 yards the last time, and they gained 405, throwing it around, I mean, it was kind of encouraged. They, they would rather have you throw than give up a big play to Tyreek Hill. So that being said, you know, I, I think ultimately what we're going to see here is we're going to see Buffalo, it'll be interesting the first part of the game, how they alter their defensive scheme. Do they go bigger? Do they play a bigger front? And if they take away Miami, they put Skylar Thompson in the game, and can he play well enough to win?
4: Well, the trends do support Buffalo. So home favorites in the wild card round now after San Francisco last night are a perfect 9-0 and straight up, 9-0 and ATS. So home favorites, 9 points or more, and that's certainly where the Bills sit here. I mean, talk about improbable. If the Dolphins are hanging around, that the assumption would be that would be even improbable. Of course, the implication with 14 points at BetMGM on the line.
5: Yeah, I I think we look at yesterday's game. I think when, you know that what I think people that see these giant point spread they want the game to be over in the first quarter, and that's never the case. They're, you know whenever you're a prohibitive favor, you're better than the other team. The job of the head coach is to convince the players the games the game's going to be four quarters that we're going to win the game going away. We're going to take the game over in the second half. What San Francisco did, they started that drive in the second half. They were dominant. And then once they got that turnover and they scored again, they were able to then they put the game away. They they they, ex, they extended their dominance. I think it's the same thing today. I think Buffalo is you know they're not going to end this game in the first quarter, and they can't have that three that third quarter that they had the last time they played Miami, which is they had three three and outs, and that allowed Miami to get score, scoring in the third quarter and take the lead. So. I do, but the longer this game goes, I think it's harder and harder for Miami, much like Seattle yesterday against San Francisco.
4: Okay, the middle game, my assumption is the Lombardi line is going to be close to three here. So let's get to it. The Giants and Minnesota, those are the two teams that played more one-score games than anybody in the NFL. We've heard about it all year. Of course, the Giants were great ATS-wise, so here we go. We'll get the Lombardi line because right now, Minnesota's laying three, hosting the Giants that sandwich game today.
5: Yeah, I have a 2.3 here, so obviously this is one of my plays today. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be all over the Giants. I, I like the Giants here today, uh, no secret. You know, the 48-and-a-half, I, I like the over in this game as well. I think both teams will move the football. Here's where I think we have to really do a good job of handicapping the game is when you look at this Minnesota team, and, you know, this is, I'm not an anti-Minnesota team at all. I think they deserve credit for winning as many games as they have. However, I am worried about their offensive line. You know, I am worried about how are they going to be able – not that I think that the Giants are this great defensive front, but, you know, when you're starting a kid named the Udu kid who they drafted in the sixth round in 2019, he's really a guard. He's going to play right tackle. You know, you've got a rookie at right guard in Ingram. He's played. Bradbury, I don't know if he's going to play today or not. It could be Chris Reed. So if Chris Reed goes in there and plays at center, you know, Bradbury's, you know, been hurt. So how are they going to do a good job of protecting? And how do they handle all the blitzes from – the, the Giants' scheme. So that, that's got me a little bit. You know, Harrison Smith, their starting strong safety, probably won't play today. Cameron Detzler, their starting corner, he probably won't play today. And we know this, the, the defense for Minnesota hasn't been very good. I mean, uh, the last time they played, the Giants moved the ball up and down the field on them, and they had opportunities they didn't cash them in. So I think this will be a game where both teams will move the football. But the advantage to me is, I think the advantage is the Giants being able to pressure Cousins and making him play kind of a Cousins national television game, if you will. Well, he hasn't
4: been terrible in his playoff starts, but he is 1-3, that being Kirk Cousins. So good point by you. Also, Sir Wink Martindale, the D.C. with the Giants, as you call him. Nobody blitzes more than your boy Sir Wink Martindale. So he's going to make Cousins uncomfortable today. I just like the Giants coming into this matchup. kind of feels like an upswing. Of course, Jones doesn't have a start in the postseason, but I don't think they're concerned about that. One of these two teams is an illusion this year. We're going to find out after the end of this one.
5: Well, I think they both are. I think it's all about the matchup, right? I mean, if if the Giants have to go to Philly next week because they win this game, that illusion will end. If Minnesota has to go to San Francisco next week, that illusion will end too. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they're they're going to run out of time here. But I think for the most part, look, the Giants have played playoff football all year long. That's been their mantra, right? They kept the game. They scored in the fourth quarter. They've tried to convert third and shorts. They've been in a ton of third and shorts all year. They've tried not to turn the ball over. They've gained the advantage there. They have played playoff style of football, should I say right and that's kind of what they've been able to do and you know they and when they do that they're they're hard to play they're hard to play you know when they don't do that when they did like against the lions where they turned it over three times they don't win those games you know i mean so i think you got to be really you got to look at that and and this game the last time they played minnesota i mean look they ran for a buck 26 they threw for over 320 yards you know now they turned it over twice in that game that's why they lost
4: New York was a league-best 13-4 and four ATS this season, including 7-1 ATS on the road. So if you follow the trends, you're going to take the three with the Giants today. And while you were in transit, we had Ben Lieber, of course, who covers the Vikings, played in the league at linebacker for many, many years. It sounded like he was going to a funeral. I, I swear to you, is this a 13-win Minnesota team or a 3-win Minnesota team? There's been such a weird vibe around this Minnesota team all year because of those one-score
5: wins. Yeah, I mean, look, they've been very fortunate. And and look, you can't take anything away from them, uh, the ability that no. they've had to win games. But, you know, they've won some really interesting – they've had some interesting wins. I mean, you know, even the Jet game. I mean, the Jets had many opportunities to win that game. They couldn't. You know, the Colt game, I mean, we, we all – I mean, the Colts get that huge lead on them. So we, we've all kind of seen them, you know, they kind of the, – the Washington Commanders game, they come back. How about the Buffalo game? All Buffalo has to do is sneak the ball, and they win that game in overtime. I mean, this team won two overtime games, and so and they won a lot of these close <laughs> games. But, you know, I, I think it's just hard to constantly do that, especially when you have such – when you have a, a liability on, on defense. And, and that defense has showed up. I mean, it has been a problem. I mean, like I said, the Giants, the Lions – I mean the Jets put up 486 yards against them. I think, think about the bad this. Taste... The Jets with Go Mike ahead. White, the Jets with Mike White put 486 against them, right? And you know, and they were but they turned it over twice. And you know, the Jets couldn't even do anything. I mean, the Jets scored 6 points with Joe Flacco against Miami last week. I mean, it's just so bizarre, right? So, this game is going to come down to who protects the football, who plays playoff football, who scores in the fourth quarter. To me, that all lends itself to how the Giants have played all year. Also, betters
4: go by recency, and we just saw Minnesota go to Green Bay. Remember that 41-17 beatdown where Minnesota was never in that game, and I think that taste lingers today. I'll be very curious to see, and we'll ask Brent Musburger coming up next, Michael. I'll be curious to see if we close under that three. I'll be curious to see if we get to I, two and a half by the time we I close. am so
5: surprised this line hasn't moved at all. Because when I look at my board, and and I, and I when I saw the three come out right away, I thought, wow, you know. Uh, and there's so on my board, I have one hundred and eleven thousand tickets written. Seventy six percent of the money is on the Giants. Has it moved the line? Twenty four percent on the Vikings. I mean that's it, you know. And so where we've seen some volatility in the other lines, you know, like nobody's betting nobody's betting Miami. I mean, the book is t- uh, when I was at the Bergada this morning. Thomas is going to need Miami. He'll tell us that later in the show today. And you know, this one here, I think he's got fair betting on both sides. Even though the the ticket count, the ticket counts are close, I think the money is in his shop is fair, and that's why I don't think you're seeing the line move like we thought it might move.
4: Yeah, bet MGM is two and a half, and again, all those threes are juiced. We're going down, correct? So it's even money at yeah. Circa. It's even money at DraftKings. So again. If you like the three, go grab it with the Giants. If you like Minnesota, you can probably find a two and a half before kickoff. Okay, it's great to have the big guy back, Michael Lombardi, there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher here in Los Angeles. Next, we're going to head to Vegas and bring in the legend, Brent Musburger, right here on the Lombardi line, presented by BetMGM. It's vSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on vSIN, featuring former
3: NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it's
4: Wildcard Weekend here on VSIN the sports betting network. Of course, the Lombardi Line. Rick Mears, Mario Andretti, aka Michael Lombardi, joining us, and we appreciate him being on his own show. It was a, it was quite, We were just talking with Brent before we came back. Uh, Michael running red lights to get on his own show. We appreciate him, mm. and with that. We say hi to the legend,
3: Brent Musburger. Ah, good morning, guys. Good morning. How are you, lads? Wild card, super wild
5: card weekend. What could be better, eh? <laughs> be uh, better? Brent. Let me ask you something. Sure. I want to ask you this: as a man who's seen more comebacks in his life oh, and all wow. that, at what point, what point last night did you say to yourself, Jacksonville could win this game?
3: Actually, it was Tony Dungy when they came out of the half, and Al Michaels reminded Dungy of how he was being blistered as a head coach of the Colts. And Dungy said the most important thing is the start of the second half. Stop the other team, get the ball, you're only down three scores, don't let it go four, and then come back and score. And it was Dungy who reminded I was actually doing homework. I was actually looking at stats. Uh, my wife and I were having a cocktail, we'd kind of given up on the game, Michael. But it was that little switch that Dungy reminded me, one step at a time. Now, the Chargers moved the ball down the field on that first possession of the second half. I thought, well, they'd get a field goal, game set, a match. But he punts (laughs) one of the few times in his life that that head coach, Staley, has punted, okay? Uh, What I'm looking for, Michael, I think the Chargers will change head coaches. I don't think there's any doubt about it. You can't let a veteran like Joey Boza, lose his cool like that, okay? That does not show good leadership. There's no respect over there on the sideline. You can't let things like that happen. And you have to provide the kind of strong leadership that Peterson did on the other side. It was a coaching mismatch. I said it going into the game that if the Jaguars have any huge edge in this game, it's with the head coach. And, man, did Peterson show that last night. Talking to Lawrence covering his mouth so we could not read his lips with his play chart, doing just an outstanding job. He showed me again why he won that Super Bowl with Nick Foles with the Philadelphia Eagles. But it was, it was Tony Dungy who reminded me, one step at a time, just a little twist, get that down, and that's what the Jaguars – I've never seen anything like it where a quarterback throws four interceptions, four interceptions, okay, and then comes back to win the game with four touchdown passes. It was remarkable on the part of the Jaguars.
4: Michael, what did you see on the Peterson fourth down call? Remember, he took a timeout there because he didn't like the alignment defensively and what he saw, and then he came back with that interesting run to Etienne. What did you see there, Michael, with Peterson
5: well I, I they were in a they were in a front where they didn't have any edge seal. they were playing for the quarterback sneak and I think that when he went to that formation they thought they were going to use the old rugby formation that the Eagles use just push Trevor Lawrence back and get the first down I actually wanted him to sneak it on th- third down I didn't want him to throw it I want him to get the first down there not and avoid fourth down but when they didn't set the edge you know it's one thing to stop the quarterback sneak you still have to set the edge and he got into that old T formation, Brent, and right. ran off tackle. And, you know, and then I, I thought it was fascinating. Most guys would have called timeout there, but he was saving his timeout for the, uh, for the to try to ice the kicker, which he never really did. I mean, how about that referee jumping in to prevent the kicker from even trying to attempt <laughs> yes.
3: it? Yes. Yeah, yes. you know, I've seen that a couple of times. Uh, they must be teaching the officials to do that. Don't give them a practice kick. Uh, my, that was the second time I've seen that of an official uh, jumping in there. But let's, let's go to Peterson's decision on the two-point conversion. I actually second-guessed him on it. I said, hey, wait a minute, come on, just go ahead and kick the extra point. But he knew with that reach of his quarterback up over the top that he could jump over, he'd get the two-point conversion, which is, uh, you know, what he did. And I, I just thought it was a great call, uh, but I second-guessed it at the beginning. My first guess was, no, don't do that. But, but he was right, and I was wrong, because it's set up for the field goal to win the game and not just tie it and, and move on to overtime. So I thought Peterson pushed all the right buttons last night, Patrick.
4: Brent Musburger, you said yesterday, and Bill A.D. somehow hunted you down for the daily newsletter, which we always appreciate when you contribute. And you said you weren't afraid to back San Francisco and beating a team three times in a season, and they did, and they covered against Seattle. Let's take that philosophy and move it, although they split the season series. We've got a third game between, of course, division rivals Baltimore and Cincinnati today. Curious to get your thoughts here. The number sitting since the eight and a half. Uh,
3: It's not a fair fight. Uh, Anytime you put a third-string quarterback against a first-string quarterback and candidates for MVPs, as both Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are, these are not fair fights. Uh, Michael will tell you it's hard enough having a second-string quarterback who can play Leave alone three. Now, obviously, Brock Purdy has been the exception to that rule. But sure. Michael will tell you, putting franchises together, it, you don't look for your third-string quarterback. And that's what these two teams have to do uh, on the road. I, I also think we're overthinking it a little bit on, on these games. Uh, Buffalo is 6-1. 6-1 in Buffalo. Remember, they moved one of the home games to Detroit. Uh, Cincinnati had one postponed that great game against uh, Buffalo that everybody talked about and then of course tragedy struck and fortunately Hamlin is okay he was actually he was with his team I, I hope he's on I hope he's able to go to the game uh, today I haven't got verification of that but Cincinnatis six and one at home Buffalo six and1 at home and I, you know there's a narrative and I know Michael's buying in on this I want to be careful here there's a New York narrative that sometimes it takes hold okay when a New York team, has overachieved, as the Giants certainly have. And Dayball is certainly worthy of Coach of the Year honor. There's no question about it. But I'm going to tell you right now, you got your hands full when you go to Minneapolis, okay? The only road team that has been able to crack through in that stadium this year, that's the Dallas Cowboys, and they handled the Vikings with ease. That stadium opened up, okay, in 2016. It's the loudest stadium in the National Football League, Okay. The Vikings are 40 and 18 at home. I'm telling you right now that the Giants are going to have their hands full. The the juice here, if you want the Giants with that field goal at circa, it has gone to minus 125 juice. Okay, there are some smart people who are looking at that. Whoa, wait a minute. The Vikings eight and one at home. They average 27 points a game at home. The Giants average 19.6 on. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. Now, Michael's absolutely right, absolutely right, that the Vikings offensive line is going to have difficulty today against that giant front. There's no question about it. Everybody talks about Jefferson, okay? And well, we should. Maybe the best receiver, in the United- I'm telling you right now, working underneath the pickup of Hawkinson from Detroit is key. They get Smith back as the other tight end. He has got quick releases. And don't overlook Mr. Thielen. If you go back and look at all of the passes that Mr. Cousins has thrown this year, sometimes in that third and three, he doesn't look for Jefferson. He'll look to find Thielen. It's not a one-weapon team, okay? Believe me on this one. And that home field advantage is unbelievable. Since that stadium opened, the only team with a better record at home, the Green Bay Packers. You, you got your hands full when you play in that arena. Trust me. So I say... Sometimes handicappers overthink things, okay? And if you look at these home team records, uh, all three of the the home sides should be able to win today. Now, Vikings can have a handful. They get at the toughest battle of the three. But in terms of Buffalo and Cincinnati, uh, mismatches, complete mismatches.
4: Look at that! Yeah, I, now I, it sounds I, like it sounds like yeah. Michael. He's uh, if if I read that right, Brent Musburger. You like Minnesota laying it today?
3: Yeah, but I'm how's on. I'm going to bet it this way. I'm going to lay one and a half in the first half. Okay, there it is. I'm not going to go to I'm the up. three. I'm I'm going to go to the one and a half. I'm bet the Vikings in the first half.
5: Yeah, I I don't disagree. I mean, I I think this play for me was. I think they played them once. I think they have a sense of confidence. I think talking to the people in the Giants, they felt like they should, they could have won that game. You know, they got the two-point conversion. I don't disagree. I mean, look, Hawkinson has been sensational, seventy percent catch percentage. Thielens at sixty-six percent. I mean, that the one thing they distribute the football around. But this game to me, with that offensive line, has got to be a little concerning, and. I I think the Giants have – these two teams have played in a lot of close games. I think Mm -hmm. the three. I'm a little with you. I think if it's a a two-and-a-half game, you know, it's a little different. But the three, to me, seems to hang there. And I just feel confident that that if they can pressure Cousins because of the line, they'll win the turnover battle, which they didn't win the first time.
3: Uh, No, Michael's right. And, and, uh, Patrick, three – like, if if this goes to three-and-a-half someplace, my advice is stay away stay flat away, okay? Uh, The Giants would certainly be the play to me if you add the hook to that, okay? Uh, Three is trouble. I mean, there's no question. So many games wind up uh, on three. That's why I'm going to play the first half. I I, I don't want to touch the three.
4: Okay, first half for Brent Musburger laying a point and a half with Minnesota. By the way, Buffalo's laying nine in the first half. Remember, 13 and a half, 14 full game. In Cincinnati, Brent is laying six in the first half. Okay, Musburger, now go back, get to work, and get ready for your hey, own show, okay? Thank you guys. very go much. For
3: it. Great to be with <laughs> you. Brent. always love these guys. <laughs> Patrick and Michael, <laughs> catch them every day. You Thank know you. what I'm saying, gang? Catch some tickets.
4: <laughs> Musburger next after Lombardi. Gable coming
3: up. You're listening to the Lombardi line on Vsin featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher.
4: Okay, become a VCN Pro, and when you do, you get the pro tools, including the most popular pro tool by far, and that's the betting splits. So you find out where the money and bets are going for every game. The splits are updated every 10 minutes directly from DraftKings, today's games, future events as well. So go to vCN.com slash subscribe to sign up right now. Become a pro for $9.99 and you get the tools, including the betting splits. Okay, we're back. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. We head back to the Borgata and bring in our par- partner, Thomas Gable, who runs the race and sports book there at the Borgata. We say hi to TG. Remember, you can find Thomas Gable's basketball plays over at vison.com as well. Okay, Thomas, uh, how'd we turn out yesterday? Again, the spreads didn't matter, correct? San Francisco easily covers the nine and a half, and an outright winner... Yeah. As two point dogs for the Jags,
8: yeah. And uh, the first uh, the first game with the Seahawks and Niners. I was telling Michael this morning, I was surprised how much late Seattle money we got. We we actually ended up needing the Niners uh, to cover, so wow. that one turned out well. And the uh, the Chargers and Jags that was sort of an evenly bet game throughout the week. Um, some Chargers money there last night before kickoff. So. Again, a uh, decent result in that one for us. So, yeah, both, both games, I mean, not, not really big decisions on either one, but uh, both games ended up going our way. So it, it was a decent day.
5: You know, T.G., uh, we, you know, because I was commuting back and forth in the first hour, we didn't get a chance to talk about the nighter game, but this is the second game in, a, in, in basically a m- two in the last month where you base it on the weather, you know, and the weather never really. We were expecting torrential downpours. The mm-hmm. field was going to be soggy, all that, and it and it and it really never it never came to fruition. And it kind of like messes up your handicap a little bit because I actually thought the field played fast watching the game.
8: No, you're right, and you know, watching the weather reports um, leading up to that game, it was uh, it was supposed to be really bad, and. Uh, obviously, Patrick's out there in California. He knows the, uh, how much rain California as a whole is getting. But, yeah, it just weather did not play any any part in that game.
4: Nope. Oh, totally agree. Okay, three on tap for today. I want to start with the sandwich game just because we always talk about regional betting. My question mm-hmm. for you, while most books are showing Minnesota three, they're in Jersey. Are you sitting two and a half? I'm just curious.
6: Yeah. Yeah, we
8: went to two and a half this morning. Had enough of the Giants' uh, money, uh, so we'll see if we can uh, we can get some back here on the Vikings. But yeah, it's going to probably go between 20 and a half and three. I was actually uh, a little bit surprised. We we took some early Minnesota money in the week, uh, which was good. But uh, yeah, we're probably going to be in a position, a familiar position for us, uh, where we're going to need the Giants' opponent to cover. Um, yeah, as you said, regional bias here is is certainly a thing with uh, the New York crowd and. Uh, we'll, we'll get a lot of uh, a lot of Giants money. And I'll say this for the game itself. You know, both of these teams, obviously despite being playoff teams, come in here with a negative point differential uh, for the season. Giants ended up minus six, Vikings minus three. Now, these two did play less than a month ago. And uh, very close game there. Minnesota won 24 Not an unfamiliar sight for the Vikings who have played in – many a close game this season seemingly winning them all uh but i think this is going to come down to can minnesota protect cousins here uh the the two starting guards there they've allowed more sacks and more quarterback pressures than any other tandem in the nfl this season for the vikings so i i think the giants pass rush is, is going to be a key thing here for the giants
5: yeah I, I, i'm with you disagree. and with the backup With the uncertainty about Bradbury, can he play? If Chris Reed plays at center, and you know, I think that you'll see a lot of you know, um, it'll it'll hinder what the Vikings try to do. I think early in this game, we'll see the Vikings try to get Cousins comfortable in the pocket, protect more. And, you know, and see how Martindale wants to attack them and what he does. But I agree. I think offensive line, to me, this is the difference in the game. I agree with what Brent said. There always is that New York bias and everybody seems to be on the Giants. But there is football facts that kind of back it up a little bit. And I, and I think that the way the Giants front has played with Leonard Williams and Lawrence and then Thibodeau coming off the edge, that's the strength of their defense.
4: Totally agree. I think that's the key there. Okay, we'll back up and go to the early game, one o'clock your time there on the East Coast, ten o'clock my time out west. Are you wearing your Skyler Thompson jersey to work, Thomas Gable? Uh, my assumption is you're going to need the Dolphins here. You correct me if I'm wrong.
8: Well, if you look at the the ticket splits, you would certainly think that's the case. We, we, we went to fourteen this morning on this game, uh, from thirteen and a half to fourteen, and finally started getting some Miami money in. Uh, but, you know, it's been all Bill's money throughout the week, so it, it's it's starting to balance out, and uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, we're getting some, some Miami money there at, at 14, but, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, you, you saw this was a, a game that was sort of up in the air. I mean, the, the spread has moved quite a bit uh, throughout the week. We opened it at 11. Uh, it got down as low as 9.5, and, and then 2 was rolled out, and then, of course, Bridgewater also, so uh, here we said 13 and a half now 14, um, the, the total, which is now sitting at 44 is right where we opened it. Uh, but again, that's, that's moved back and forth throughout the week. Uh, I think the high water mark was 46 there on the total. Uh, but yeah, well, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough spot for a, a rookie third string quarterback to come in here and, uh, and be starting this game on the road, uh, and a, a very difficult place to play. And the the Bills, I mean, obviously they they have. Uh, I think last week what we saw with the Patriots, it was an emotional game for them after the Hamlin incident. But I, I and I don't know, it's tough to handicap emotion. They just didn't look sharp though in that game against New England. Uh, the defense certainly didn't look great. They they let up a lot to Mac Jones, and and remember the Bills scored two touchdowns there on kick returns. So that, that game was probably a lot closer than, than the final. So we'll, we'll see how the bills look today. Uh, obviously as they look to make a big, uh, big postseason run.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's just, if Ty- Skyler has to play from behind, you know, then playing from behind just compounds some problems and it kind of digs into McDaniels' playlist. I mean, you know, McDaniels is the head coach and, you know, because he supposedly designs great running games and they're 31st in, in rushing attempts and they've never played complimentary. I mean, if, if Miami's going to cover, they're going to have to have the ball. They're going to have to have control f- time of possession in the game. I just don't know how they do that.
4: Yeah. I totally agree. And finally, Baltimore-Cincinnati, the nightcap division rivals here at TG. We've got a steady 8.5, and, and by steady I mean mm-hmm. everybody's eight and a half, one ten 110 up and down as far as the juice. I don't think that number's moving.
8: No, uh, I think there's a few stray nines out there um, looking at the board, but yeah, we're 8.5 here, and uh, again, it's it's up from the opener, 6.5. Uh we know all about the Lamar Jackson uh, issues through the week. So uh, here we go, though. But this is going to be a game for the Ravens' defense to step up. That, that's the only way that they're going to be able to, to win and keep this close. Um, and But they've done it. They have done it throughout the season. After they got Smith in that midseason trade, they've held opponents to 16 points or less in seven of the nine games that they've played. And while the Bengals did put 27 on them last Sunday, seven came on a defensive score there, and Baltimore's offense also turned it over three times. So they've been, overall, this Ravens defense, they've limited the Cincinnati offense, and they've been just a stellar group. So they'll have to do it again today to have a chance in this game.
5: Yeah, I mean that's kind of what you think. I mean, you know, to me, I think the spread's a little too far uh, because everybody talks about well, they don't have Lamar, but I mean, even when Lamar's plays, they don't really—they can't throw the ball; they have to run it. I thought they ran it last week on Cincinnati, and you know, I, do I think they win? No. Do I think this could be a close game? Yeah, I kind of do. I—I I, I know, because I, I don't think Huntley's that bad. Uh, I think he can make some throws depending on how his shoulder is.
4: Yeah, that's the question. The, the, the tendonitis in the shoulder. And then, Michael, you reported earlier, it looks like Baltimore is going to go with that two-quarterback system, right? So Anthony Brown's going to see some time yeah, as well I, today, potentially. You
5: know, that's kind of what I read this morning. So I, I think that that kind of where, you know, they could do it. And and we'll see. I mean, they're going to have to try something unique. They're going to have to do something different in order to kind of make up for the lack of they don't have a passing game. I think they're going to have to try to make that up. And, look, they can't play from behind. And I think what T.G. just said there earlier, their defense, I thought their defense played really well last week, and they pressured. Bur- Burrow had some Houdini-like escapes last week to get away from it.
4: Yep, 100%. Okay, T.G., enjoy the games today. You've got two college basketball plays for Vicent pros, including Marquette Xavier on a total and UConn St. John's on a total. Enjoy the games today, T.G., and good luck. Thank you very much.
5: Thanks, T.G. Right, Appreciate thank you. you.
4: Okay, it just so happens that Michael's wildcard weekend picks, all three official plays, are actually being played today. So when we come back, we'll run the board, a Wild Card weekend edition with Michael's official plays. That's coming up next right here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. It's VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards, so every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Reward points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app. Remember, it's been reconfigured, so the in-game experience is much better. BetMGM Rewards, it's the best loyalty program in the game from the king of sportsbooks. Go check it out, BetMGM.com, or download the app. Got to be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, I misspoke. We've got two official plays from Michael Lombardi today, and then he's got a play on the Monday night game down in Tampa with Dallas in town. We'll get to those in just a second. I did want to give you this, Michael Lombardi. So there's been some questions and some speculation surrounding Tua and whether or not he'd be essentially returning next year because remember the concussions are a big deal here you mentioned Javid best and others in the past that had to retire Mm -hmm. but Tua is expected to return to the Dolphins and be their starting quarterback in 2023 that's a report today as a matter of fact some are saying if they were to beat the Bills and that would be a huge upset at 14 right now that he may be able to play in this postseason but I guess promising news for the Dolphins fans there with Tua
5: Well, I mean, yeah, it is promising that he's on the road to recovery, but you're still going to hold your breath every time he gets hit next year. I mean, what happens if something happens? I mean, you're always worried about that with any player, right? So, you know, you worry that can they come back? So I just think to me, you know, if you're Miami, yeah, we want him back. He's going to be our starter, but you better make damn sure your backup's really good. You know, you better make damn sure that you invest in the backup. I think that's going to be the key. Is you got to convince somebody who could potentially start and play games because Tua hasn't played 17 games in his career through the season. It hasn't happened yet. So past performance predicts future achievement. You know, I, I hope that he's fine. I hope everything goes great and he can play and he plays 17 games. But I think that's going to be a real challenge, and they're going to have to maneuver their cap around a little bit to make sure that they have the availability to do that. The second question that comes in, you know, everybody focuses just on the moment. Do they extend him? you know, he'll be entering his fourth year. Do they extend him? What do they do? I mean, it's easy to extend Herbert, right? I mean, I think we all saw Herbert last night and make some incredible throws. And if he had a little bit more help offensively, like a running game, you know, 25 runs and eight passes with a 27 nothing lead in the second half. Somebody explain that to me, please. But if he had a little bit more help, I think ultimately, you know, we could see that talent. I mean, Whatever you think of Tua, and whatever you think of anything, I mean, to Herbert was is is a generational talent, and sure. that was to me. It's akin to picking, you know, when you pick Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan, you live with that forever. I, I mean, not that Sam Bowie was a bad player, it, and not that Tua is a bad player, but you picked him over Herbert. It's not close.
4: And by the way, Teddy Bridgewater is active today after being questionable. So maybe an emergency situation because Skylar Thompson is going to get the start. So but Teddy Bridgewater, just as a note, is active today. So that's one thing. But Tua, apparently good news for the future. Okay, let's get to your plays. And again, I mentioned two today. I'm going to start with the late one. Let's start with the Ravens. Now, you did catch the Ravens at nine. Are you still cool with taking the Ravens at eight and a half here?
5: You know, I obviously eight and a half, nine. It's kind of they're 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 not the you know the i i the numbers. I, I think anything more than a touchdown in this game to me. This is one of those where I had the most wiggle room on my board. Uh, the the other one was the the Charger game because but once Mike Williams wasn't playing, I, I walked away from the Chargers and flipped it to to the Jaguars yesterday because I, there was, you know, the, to me, I thought he was going to make a difference in the game, and I think that was proven right. If he's on that field, you know, they're still going to be up 27 to nothing or 27 to 7, but I think in the second half, some of those throws, especially when they lost to Carter, he would have made. So in this game, to me, yeah, I think Cincinnati is going to win. I'm going to go against Mackinac's, you know, incredible stat at 88% convert the, – the line doesn't matter – I think Baltimore's a tough-minded team. What T said about the defense is true. I thought they gave Cincinnati a little bit more trouble than the score indicated last week, and certainly Anthony Brown helped them. I think they'll keep it close. I I, I think they'll keep it close. They make kicks. They don't miss kicks. The weather's not going to be a factor. I don't think Cincinnati's going to run away from anybody. I think this will be a touchdown win for the Bengals, so if you get 8.5 or 9, I think that's a good play.
4: And correct me if I'm wrong. The way I kind of illustrate this, but it sounds like you don't like but love the Giants today catching three.
5: I do. I, I I love the Giants today because I think the Giants are the healthier team. I didn't say they're the better team. I think they're the healthier team. I think what you're going to see from the Giants is probably one of the few times that they've had everybody at least their team. Right? I mean, they're not a ta- they're not an mo- overly talented team, but this will be the the most Talent that they've had being able to play. I mean, they get they're going to have a Dory Jackson back who they haven't had for a long time. So they're going to have Fabian Moreau back in the secondary. You know, he's been in and out of the lineup. So they're going to get that. Thibodeau has played really well with Lawrence and Williams inside against these guards, as Thomas talked about about how they've given up pressure. I think they're pretty good. I think they'll be able to match up. You know, they're not a great talented team. This is not going to this is not going to be a blowout, and it's not going to end in the first quarter. It's going to be a back and forth game but I do think that they will move the football on the Minnesota defense, and I think that Saquon can do that, and I think this offensive line is playing better than Minnesota's offensive line. So even though I don't love the skill talent on, on the Giants, I think the Giants will do enough. They'll play their style, and their style is what they need to play in this game, and I think they can win it.
4: And then finally, official plays, the last one for wild card weekend from Michael Lombardi. That's tomorrow. We'll have plenty more about this game tomorrow morning here on the Lombardi line, but you do like Dallas laying the two-and-a-half at Tampa I do. and at Brady. I do,
5: I, I think I, I mean, there's been back and forth here. I have it on my board from the great Bill Berman. He thinks Dallas is going to lose and get into the, the Sean, uh, Sean Payton derby. I don't. I, I think this is a good matchup for Tampa, uh, for Dallas. I think Tampa does not score a lot of points. I think they can run the ball on Tampa. I think they're the better team. You know, I I think this is a game where Dallas should be should should be a little bit more than a two and a half. I think you're getting a hell of a number at two and a half, so I like that. Today I like Buffalo too. I didn't make it. I kind of made it almost an official pick. Here's my problem with this. I think Buffalo. I worry that Buffalo has those late minute. Oh my gosh, they just don't play well enough in the second half. But I think they'll be determined, and I think they need to get somewhat into a rhythm. And I think this Miami secondary is vulnerable. And I think, I think Allen can play really well. And they have to play fast and from in front to make Skylar Thompson have to participate fully in the game. Okay.
4: And, of course, more on Dallas and Tampa tomorrow here on the Lombardi line. Quickly, I do have a Brandon Staley quote for you after the game yesterday. Quote, we'll learn from this. What are we going to learn? We're going <laughs> to learn from a 27-point lead? What are we learning from this if you're Brandon Staley?
5: I mean, I love, that, I love that Brent must I love that Brett Musburger said the same thing about Nick Bosa's helmet. Not only did he throw his helmet in front of his coach, his coach ran over and picked it up, and then he threw it again. Like, who's in charge here, right? And so to me, you know, like, I don't know what – I don't think Staley has learned anything as his experience. I think he thinks he knows more than everybody. And I'm not – and I'm not this. – I'm talking to grading him as a coach, not as a human being. I mean, so we have to separate that. But to me, this – when you're plus five – in turnover takeaway, that 96% of the time you're going to win. When you're plus four, which he was because they missed a field goal, so I'm going to count that missed field goal as a turnover, which it is. They were plus four in the turnover takeaway. There's a 90% chance you win that game. The fact that he allowed them to throw 25 passes in the second half, that they only ran it eight times, that they couldn't get first downs, and as Brent said, when they come out in that second half, I mean, they come out in that second half and they they, they get – he they they throw the ball on first down they you know they don't get anything going they move it and he's got to punt it i mean that really hurt them i mean they you can't they violated everything that you have to do to win playoff games which tells me he doesn't know how to win a playoff game there's nothing he's going to learn from that because he thinks he has all the answers that's the problem now give him credit i mean did you notice this he he wasn't he wasn't going for it on fourth down in this game
4: no he's kicking he was kicking field goals too which is something
5: that he wasn't doing last year, right? Well, he's trying to change. I mean, but he still has to answer for the Mike Williams thing. He has to answer for that. Like, that was a horrible decision. That's a fireable offense because there was no reason to play Mike Williams. There was no reason to play Eckler. There was no reason to play Bosa. You had, you had to get your team ready to play the Jaguars. And if they were all healthy, you could have beaten the Jaguars. Now, look, they lost a lot of guys in the game. The corner got – Michael Davis got hurt. You know, the offensive tackle got hurt. I get all that. But they got a huge advantage. The officials let them play a game that you would never see in the regular season. You would never see. That first pass interference call that, that they picked up the flag on, that McCauley said was a great call, I don't know what he's watching. I have no idea but he said it was a great call. That is that is pass interference 10 out of 10 times in the regular season. 10 out
4: of 10. 100%, 10 out of 10. Okay, the official plays before we get out of here. Michael Lombardi, take the three with the Giants. Take the nine with the Ravens, eight and a half now, and lay it two and a half with the Cowboys tomorrow. Michael, great job adjusting today. Enjoy the games today. Appreciate you.
5: Thanks, Patrick. Awesome job okay. by you. Appreciate everybody.
4: Thank you, Elliot. Countdown to kick up with Brent Musberger's next here on VSin, the sports
0: betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field,